Welcome to the Excavation Safety Alliance podcast, where leaders in damage prevention sit down to tell stories, highlight new technology, and share their passion for safety. I'm Scott Landis, President of Infrastructure Resources, publishers of the DP Pro Magazine and owners of the Excavation Safety Alliance membership site. This is part of our Excavation Safety Alliance Ask the Expert interview series. The goal of these interviews is to take, for you to take away some practical ideas you can use. Today, I'm here with Jim Prozac and Tony Jorgensen. Both Tony and Jim are attorneys who work extensively on utility damage cases. So they have a lot of great real world tips to pass on today. Talk about today's topics. I'd like both Jim and Tony to tell the audience a little bit about their backgrounds and why they're so passionate about damage prevention. So Tony, why don't we start off with you talking about your background. Thanks, Scott. Um, my name is Tony Jorgensen. I'm an attorney I'm here in uh, Oklahoma City. Um, have been practicing since uh, 1996. Uh, Jim and I have been practicing almost exclusively um, doing damage recovery, damage prevention uh, type work for uh, a number of uh, utility owners, including telecom, gas, um, electric, who've also represented um, excavators and contractors from time to time. But it's been the, the bulk of, of, of my work for the last uh, uh, 20 plus years. I've had the good fortune of uh, of spending most of that time working with with Jim on on his with his clients and in in uh, coordinating with with Jim on a, on a lot of our a lot of our joint work. Um, uh, I consider him uh, most definitely my my mentor, and and I can tell you that uh, you know my passion for um, damage prevention, damage recovery. Um, all comes from 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 Jim. I mean, I think he is um, clearly a leader in the in the field, and and I'm just uh, uh, trying to carry the torch as as Jim uh, uh, tries to tries to scurry out the back door, so to speak. Well, well, Jim, I'm I'm not sure how you add to that, but I know your background <laughs> is is a pretty varied and a really good fit for this. So why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your background? Well, I want to thank Tony for that compliment, first of all, Scott, uh, but uh, mentor simply means old. <laughs> I have been practicing law for uh, over 35 years at this point in my career. I have been uh, working on utility damage and right-of-way issues uh, since the late 1980s. In addition to uh, actually representing uh, utility owners and excavators in this arena, I have also uh, served on various uh, industry organizations and I'm currently the advisory director to the Oklahoma One Call Systems Incorporated, more commonly known as uh, Oki 811 or Call Oki. So I have been doing this and lecturing at industry forums and have had the good fortune to be able to participate in damage prevention activities for the better part of 30 years. Well, that's quite a background. No question you are very qualified to be uh, passing out some advice today. 
Today, Jim and Tony are going to talk about what some people may think is a simple question, but it sometimes is not a simple question. Is my locate request legal? Seems simple enough. Jim, can you kick things off by explaining what is a locate request and why is it significant? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, your locate request is the statutorily mandated call that you have to make to the state one call system before you begin excavation. And if you uh, follow the CGA's uh, reports and the results of their DIRT reporting tool, the single biggest cause of damage to underground utilities is digging without a proper locate. The, or digging without a locate request period. The second largest call is digging on an improper locate request. So the first thing you wanna do is you wanna go to your statutes and you wanna look and you want everybody that's going to be working on that project to be familiar with what the law requires. How far in advance do I have to make that call? What information do I have to provide in that call? And it's important not only that the president of the company know that information, but the people that are going to be responsible for making and implementing uh, that call and the results of that call know what's been done. One of the things that Tony and I have fun with a witness in uh, a deposition is, uh, you know, do you know what the statute requires? And if he says, yes, I do, then the next question is, why didn't you do it? Uh, and if the answer is, no, I don't, then the next question is, why are you out here? Why are you doing this? Now, if you hit a telephone line, maybe my call drops. If you hit a gas line, a lot of people can die. So while I, I make light of it, it is a, an extremely serious uh, situation and the failure to call in that locate in a timely manner, the fail, failure to provide the information necessary can cost lives. No question. Yeah, Scott, I, I, would, I would add, Scott, I mean, what, what Jim's talking about there, I mean, you, you, you know, every state, what, what makes a, a locate request legal? I mean, every state in, in the, uh, you know, the District of Columbia uh, had their own uh, one-call system, one-call law. Um, so what, what may be legal in, in, in one state or jurisdiction um, is not necessarily legal in the other. So, you know, I, I would echo what, what Jim is saying there, the importance of, um, of knowing what the one-call statute requires in the in the area where you're where you're excavating where you're digging and um, and you know most most folks um, you know aren't uh, again it's not their their everyday job they aren't adept at you know looking at you know some looking up statutes and so on um, but you know nearly every um, uh, state one call center eight one one. You can just get on the on the internet on your uh, computer, your your smartphone. Um, they typically have an excavator guide. It's kind of the you know have tip of the iceberg kind of requirements for excavators and, and locators, and describes the process. Um, uh, but most of those uh, excav excavator guides will actually have the the, the the exact statutory language, or or to some extent, sometimes. 
you don't even see it in the statute. The actual requirements of the statute are set forth in administrative regulations um, that the legislature has has uh, prom, um, uh, 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 asked uh, regulatory uh, agencies to promulgate regulations to 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 um, enforce and and, and uh, set forth the requirements of the one call statute. So it's it's a chore. Um, if you were to try to look all that stuff up just uh, organically, but but the, the state one call centers are really good about um, putting that information out there. Um, we used to, uh, probably not as important as as it once was, um, given the the, the uh, that everybody has a smartphone these days. It seems like, but um, you know, lots and lots of one call centers used to actually publish little pocket size. Um, guidelines that that your excavators in the field and your locators in the field could you know have in their in their pocket. So, so I know that was a long-winded way of saying um, you, know, you need to look at each individual state statute to determine whether or not um, um, you're legal, whether or not um, your particular state requires white lining, whether whether or not you um, you know, there's a there's a pre-excavation meeting required. How you make the request for that pre-excavation meeting, uh, what you do in the event of mismarked utilities, what you do, uh, what the obligations are with regard to preservation of marks, and some of that goes beyond, you know, um, uh, what makes a locate request legal. I, I guess at at the at, at its basic um, element, a locate request is legal if it's in effect. Um, it covers the time period of the excavation, and it covers the area where the excavation is occurring. I guess those would be the two uh, most basic uh, attributes of a legal locate request, in my mind. And you know, I would, I'll put in a, a shameless plug here too, because Infrastructure Resources publishes every year our excavation safety guide, which is also online at excavationsafetyguide.com because we do just what you're talking about because the laws are changing and there's a summary of every state and a, and a link in it to every one of the uh, statutes. Because um, if you're a contractor who's working in a number of states, it, it can be pretty complicated. So that that's a really good point. And you know, you mentioned a, a, a number of things too. And, are there other things that actually make a locate request legal? I mean, I know it varies state to state, but in general, are there some other things that, that are uh, required to make the, the request legal? I think what you need to look at, Scott, in addition to just the uh, black letter law is industry standards and practices that go along with the uh, either the call for the locate request or the marking of the cable itself. The law simply prescribes the minimum that is required. If you're in a situation where a reasonable person, whether that be a reasonable excavator who is going to be digging around an underground utility, a reasonable locating company who is going to be marking that utility or a reasonable operator who is gonna have somebody marking his facility would do more than what the black letter law of the statute says, then just doing what's in the statute is not enough. You don't wanna be out there at a deposition uh, having a lawyer or at trial having a lawyer say, so uh, you're the company whose motto is we get by with the least we can possibly do. 
you want to make sure, and your excavator guy, Scott, that you were talking about uh, with DP Pro is a, an excellent way to do that. If, if a reasonable person would do more than just what's in the statute, then you would do it. Uh, one of the things that comes up, I think, many times is how is a line supposed to be marked? Am I marking a duck bank? Am I marking a single line? Are there multiple facilities within the same area? Uh, those are the kind of things that you don't necessarily see just in the statute itself. So you want to look. Uh, a lot of times a statute will simply, for example, incorporate the uh, American Public Works Association color codes uh, or the American uh, Public Works Association or APWA marking standards. So you're not gonna find that in the statute itself. You're gonna need to look somewhere else. Another uh, thing that goes along with that and some of what Tony and I were saying earlier is training. There are various uh, statutes that say uh, that locators and excavators must be trained. Well, how do they incorporate that? Well, uh, for example, in uh, North Carolina, the statute says that the excavator has to implement the requirements of uh, section 1920, uh, uh, Section 651 of the OSHA regulations. Well, the OSHA regulations themselves are not in the statute. So you have to go out and you have to find those. Uh, Pennsylvania and Georgia have uh, incorporated into their laws the uh, standards, the, the best practices uh, put out by the HDD Consortium for Horizontal Directional Drilling in their publication, Good Practices Guidelines. So you need to be aware of that and you need to go take a look at that stuff in addition to uh, uh, what is just in the law itself. Well, with all that, that was a lot of stuff. I, I'm, I don't know if it's possible, but what would you guys say would be the kind of the number one takeaway from this, uh, this laundry list of uh, things that are needed to be done to make a legal locate request? Well, first of all, make the call. Number one, make sure that after you call, you wait for the statutorily mandated time before you begin. If the statute says utility owners have 48 hours to mark their facilities, don't make the call 20 minutes before and then start digging. Wait to give the utility operators time. When you get out there to the site, take your locate request and compare it to the area where you actually or you're actually going to be working and make sure that that locate request encompasses that area. And last, take a look at that locate ticket. And if it's got 15 different utilities on there that says that they were notified and you see two sets of marks out there, uh, go back to that old uh, that old space family Robinson warning Will Robinson danger <laughs> something's wrong here uh, if you're out there at the site and you see two sets of marks and there's 15 people on the ticket ask what happened to the other 13 if you're out there and you see a communications line marked but you see a warning marker for a gas line or you see a sewer manhole cover 
ask yourself, why aren't these marked? And go that extra mile to make the call again. Yeah, I, I would add, Scott, I mean, it seems a little bit strange, in, you know, in, with, with this topic, we're talking about, you know, legality and formalities and, and, and all that. Um, I guess I would just say uh, the the takeaway in, in my mind is to do everything with an eye towards what you're trying to accomplish in, in the, 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 at its most basic, um, the locate request is intended to avoid damage by giving, um, uh, operators an opportunity to, um, provide excavators with information regarding the location, the presence of underground facilities. And, and so I guess the, the takeaway, uh, is, is you, you are rarely going to get in trouble. You're rarely going to be on the on the on the uh, wrong side of the law, so to speak, uh, if you are doing everything that you need to do uh, to be proactive uh, damage prevention. You know all these things that Jim described about you know calling uh, for remarks you know an hour before. <clears throat> if you're actually out there. Um, um, uh, trying to trying to do work with an eye towards avoiding damage, um, you're rarely going to be in a situation where you're calling someone an hour before uh, you plan to dig or an, uh, or an hour before you know you won't be able to get out there and, and mark a facility. So, um, and then I guess you know the 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 the, uh, the, the tag on to that is it, it all turns on communication. And, and um, it all turns on um, excavators and locate, locate companies, operators, uh, communicating um, to avoid damage. And that's the, 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 the purpose of the locate request. Um, and I think if folks keep that in mind, um, uh, they'll, they'll really find themselves in trouble. Yeah, that, that, was, that was well said. That, those were some great kind of final tips and you know, it, it's interesting because everybody's really out for the same thing, whether you're a contractor or a locator or a facility owner, everybody wants to be safe and nobody wants to hit anything. And the system really works pretty well, maybe not flawless, but boy, it's come a long way. So it's just crucial if everybody uses the system that's out there, there's less than a 1% chance you're gonna cause a damage. So um, I wanted to thank you guys again for the great information uh, today. It was, I think, really useful. It can um, help people prevent some damage. Um, if you want to learn more about damage prevention, you can subscribe to the DP Pro magazine by going to dp-pro.com. And that's it for today. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Excavation Safety Alliance Ask the Expert series. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Excavation Safety Alliance podcast, an infrastructure resources initiative. Join the Alliance at excavationsafetyalliance.com, where you can find full video editions of this podcast, training videos, a vibrant community, and so much more.